the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, here on the wonderful 1220 AM KDOW. Um, Oh, let's see. Um, I'm going to be taking calls on the air today. If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. I want to let you all know my office is now open. Uh, open to the public, which means that you can come and meet with me in person in my office. I hesitate to say face-to-face because uh, we would be wearing masks and would we would be practicing some social distancing if you come directly to my office. I do have clients coming in now to meet with me, to sign papers, to do consultations. So that much has reopened, and I'm very grateful for that. It is uh, very good for my mood to come to my office here in San Jose and see that the parking lot outside actually has cars in it. People are going back to their dentists. We have a lot of dental offices in the buildings uh, that I'm in here in San Jose. Uh, The the, uh, insurance agent next door is uh, open again to meet with people and it's starting to get a little bit of a return to normalcy or what will pass for normalcy right now. Uh, So I want to let you all know that uh, you can consult with me if you'd like. Uh, I've had some people who've contacted me in this past week, uh, having listened to the show last Friday, and uh, are consulting on estate planning and other matters. I have um, people also that uh, are emailing me uh, questions and I may get to a question or two today coming to uh, coming through in email and uh, this is from people who listen to the show so to all of you out there who are listening to my show right now uh, whether you just started recently or if you've been listening for the last couple of years thank you so much it it uh, encourages me to continue doing this show when I get feedback from my listening audience that um, they're getting useful information from me that they'd like me maybe to do some work for them. Uh, all of those things make this worthwhile. And I intend to stay on the air for as long as I have the energy and the willpower uh, to do so. So uh, I'm going in, I'm in my third year now, heading into my third year on the air. And I'd like to be on the air many years more. I know that I'll never be able to meet the record of someone like a Rush Limbaugh 
or uh, or Michael Savage or any one of those uh, radio talk show hosts that uh, have been on for many, many years. But uh, I'm looking forward to when I can say that I've been on, on the air for five years. I still have a few more years to go there. But uh, I will keep uh, bringing my show to you as long as there are people listening and there's information that I can pass on to people who are listening. Now, I want to let you all know, uh, like I said, I am open for business now. Uh, you can always go to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. You can book a consultation with me online. I just ask that if you don't want an electronic consultation with a teleconference, that you just indicate in the comments when you book that you'd like to have a face-to-face, in-person appointment with me in my office. Then I will know to calendar it that way so that I don't end up with um, with a confused schedule and have me sitting in my home office expecting to talk with you when you're outside the door of my actual office expecting to meet with me in person. So right now I'm still juggling how I'm going to be doing both types of meetings. Um, good news is starting next week I will likely be more in my office during the day uh, at least spending from three to five hours in my office which means I'll be much more accessible by phone call and uh, also by email because I will be focused on working instead of focused on trying to relearn sixth grade math which has been um, the joy for me for the last month or so. Anyway, um, school is ending for my kids. They're about to head into summer. That's going to free up my calendar more to be in the office more so that you can uh, call me in my office, uh, send me emails, book consultations. My consultation times will be opening up starting next week. Uh, more times available during the week and perhaps also even on uh, on a uh, Saturday morning. So um, anyway, uh, going on with the uh, with the approach I've taken now for the last couple of years, I'm going to continue on with questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, let's dive right in. Now, here's someone out of uh, Yorba Linda, California, asking the question, how should I prepare estate documents and in what order should they be and when handing them to an estate attorney for review? I have tons of documents that will help an attorney to find any odd or bad behavior by the trustee, as I suspect. What will the attorney want to see first, second, third, etc.? I only want to give him relevant information and try and keep fees low and not have him sitting there for hours sifting through unnecessary fill-in-the-blank. Well, let me tell you, um, an estate attorney, every estate attorney is going to be wanting to look at different things. I mean, I would start first by looking at the trust document itself to see just what a trustee is supposed to be doing and uh, and then ask questions about has the trustee done this? Has the trustee done that? Has the trustee provided this to you? Provided that to you? If there's other documentation, I'll have to, I'd tell this person, you know what? You have to trust that if you're going to try to be making a case against a trustee that they were doing something that was inappropriate or even illegal, that it's going to take time to sort through a big stack of paper that you have because 
it's impossible really for an attorney to tell you up front what's important documents without seeing what the documents are. It would be almost like asking a doctor, just calling a doctor on the phone and saying, well, doctor, I have a bunch of symptoms that of things that I think are wrong with me. Um, when I come in, um, tell me ahead of time what symptoms I should bring to your attention first. And it's like, I don't know what the symptoms are yet. I don't know what the documents are yet. So it would be almost impossible to say what's important to look at first. I've had occasions where I've gone through paperwork people have provided, and I read one part of the paperwork and it suggests one thing, but then I read another part that says, oh, wait a minute, it looks like that may have been changed later on. So what it said originally, what you were reading, is no longer in effect because the trust was amended later on. Um, things like that. So someone like this, I'd say, you know what, if you really want to have it looked at, it might take several hours to sift through things and give you an opinion. And I know uh, people want to save money. I understand that. I like saving money myself. But asking an attorney to try and diagnose a situation without being able to look at everything, all the evidence that's there, is really like asking a doctor to diagnose um, your illness without being able to examine you and maybe even run some tests to determine um, whether or not um, there is evidence of a particular medical condition. Now, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. You can call in if you'd like. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I will take calls on the air today if you'd like to call. And I do want to let you know that uh, I am on planning on having guests in the next month coming on the show. Not sure exact right as it's going to be, but um, when they're coming on, if I know ahead of time, I'll let you know ahead of time. So after the break, we'll continue. This is attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio host. Talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. But uh, what I'd also like to do is uh, extend my offer to you to call into the show today if you'd like. Uh, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 if you would like to uh, talk with me today. And uh, by the way, I don't care if we talk about um, if we talk about uh, estate planning or if you want to talk about some other things as well. If you'd like to talk about how the uh, coronavirus has affected your family uh, or affected your business, I'm happy to talk about that too because I think this is going to be an important time and an important topic. I am, uh, I'm finding right now that many of my... Um, of my friends are experiencing uh, a lot of different emotions at this time. I know in my uh, own family, uh, my wife is uh, is very stressed, as I'm sure many uh, spouses are. Uh, she works very long hours, and she has nothing that she can do right now to uh, relieve that stress. None of the activities that she enjoys are available right now. I'm hopeful that 
uh, will start opening up here in Santa Clara County and uh, maybe do things like uh, go play miniature golf, uh, which is something we like to do as a family. Even going back into a mall and going in the stores inside a mall um, that have been closed for such a long time, even that will be a um, that would be actually a a pretty beneficial thing to be able to do that. So um, if you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. I'm happy to talk about just about anything today. Um, the, the, the weather's really nice. I see more traffic on the freeway. Maybe some of you have noticed that as well. I think more people are getting back to work. More people are trying to get back into a rhythm in their lives that is not uh, having every day seem to be the same as every other day. Uh, it's starting to loosen up a bit. I can all let you know, I'll just share. Uh, last weekend, we went down to Fisherman's Wharf in Monterey, uh, which is open right now. You can actually get food uh, from all the restaurants there. You you order it outside, and they deliver it to you outside. I saw people sitting at tables and eating. There are a couple of stores you could actually go into. You go into the candy store and get bulk candy. But it's also a nice place to walk around and just to, to get out of the Bay Area and head down to another bay, uh, Monterey Bay. Just uh, I would suggest if you go that you go uh, in the morning on Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, you'll beat the traffic. But um, it was a nice little trip. It helped our mood tremendously just to travel some distance and be able to walk around outdoors and uh, and be able to get some sea air and uh, enjoy the sun. So um, that's my completely unsolicited testimonial for the Fisherman's Wharf down at Monterey. So um, moving on with more questions and comments from around the state of California, I will say uh, if I seem like I'm rambling today, I apologize for that, but uh, I'm just feeling kind of generally better about a lot of things, not the least of which is that um, my children are not being tortured anymore with uh, schoolwork, that they literally do not remember the next day what they studied the, the day before. Um, that's what this kind of shelter-in-place and lockdown uh, kind of does to your brain. I'm suffering right now from what I call uh, uh, COVID-19 brain, um, I have a hard time remembering what I was talking about an hour ago with somebody or what I did yesterday, even what I ate yesterday. Um, it's, uh, I find every now and then um, I trip over a few words here and there. I have found that, um, that my uh, throat is very, very dry. And, I'm, and, you know, I drink plenty, but it seems like I'm just drying out from this. Um, and I know that that's probably stress-related as well. Some of you may be experiencing the same thing. I can tell you that you're not alone. We're all kind of experiencing varying levels of issues here as we sort through all this. Okay, so here is uh, an interesting situation out of Southern California. And a uh, person said, I'm on a trust with four other family members. The trust is for a house that's being lived in by one of the family members of the trust. It's a family home owned long before that person was married. So now his wife wants a divorce 
is telling him he needs to sell the house as she thinks she's entitled to half of it. Can a trust be considered community property in California? Well, first of all, um, if you're married and you own property in a trust, it can be community property. But if there's a trust that owns a piece of real estate and one of a, one spouse is a member of that trust, meaning is a beneficiary of that trust, that doesn't make that member's interest a community property interest in their own marriage. So here, um, uh, the, this spouse saying, uh, um, I'm entitled to half of the property that that you own in that trust over there with other members of your family, I think that's pretty much a non-starter. Um, and if if the uh, divorcing spouse thinks there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow, they're probably going to be sadly mistaken um, because that's not really going to be the case at all. Now, uh, moving on here, uh, someone said, I'm applying for a loan and I have to tell them about the living trust I have and trusteeship. And ask the question, what does this mean? Title to trust assets must be taken in the following fashion. Well, generally, you're going to see language like that in a certification of trust that indicates how title to uh, property, meaning ownership of property, is going to be reflected um, with the documents with a financial institution or on real estate or something like that. And what it basically means is, or what it's asking is, how should the title read? For example, in a living trust, if it was an individual, it might say, John Jones, trustee of the John Jones Living Trust, dated January 10th, 2020. Or or any successor trustee, something like that. That's what it means. And, and typically, when you have an estate plan done by an attorney... There's going to be something provided by the attorney that shows you how title should generally be taken to property. And for it to be a trust, it has to identify the trust, should identify the date the trust was established, and always needs to identify one or more trustees. A trust cannot really own property except through a trustee. And if someone just transfers property like real estate to the John Jones Trust dated January 20th, 2020, then it creates a big question mark. Who actually has the authority to deal with that property? Because no trustee is named as who is the person in charge of the trust. Um, That's because a trust really cannot exist on its own without a trustee. It has to have a trustee in charge of things. Unlike a corporation, a corporation can directly own property. Uh, But a trust cannot really directly own property. It has to own it through a trustee. Now, we're coming up on the second break of the show today. I want to encourage you to call in 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. Operators are standing by, or I should say my engineer Vince is standing by to take your call and pass it through to me, and I'm happy to talk with you. But If no one calls in, I'll continue on with questions and comments from around the state. So when we come back after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and uh, we'll continue the show after the break. 
This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So uh, before the break, I was uh, dealing with questions and comments from around the state of California. So I'm going to continue on with more of those now. Okay, this is a this is an easy one. It's nice to actually have a an easy one tossed up now and then. Person said, uh, "I bought a townhouse and it's not included in my old trust. Should I make a new trust, or can I add the property to an existing one?" Well, I don't think you would make a new trust if you already have a trust, and uh, and you now have added new property, whether it's real estate or a bank account or a brokerage brokerage account or something like that, you would just title it in the name of your existing trust. You wouldn't create a new trust. Um, Otherwise, you know, people might end up with half a dozen trusts um, when they really only need one uh, to own all of their property. Now, here's an interesting one out of Los Angeles. says, my brother is currently on the deed to property. I want to be added. He took out a loan on the house, which I am paying. I want to be covered when I die, so the house goes to my daughter and not my brother. Uh, So I can't have rights of survivorship, but also I don't want it to go to probate if I die first. I need help executing this deed change so that my family is covered. Now let's unwrap this one. This this has a lot of moving parts here. So the brother took out a loan on the house, but the person asking the question is the one paying the loan and wants to make sure that the house goes to his daughter and not to his brother when this person dies. Well, first of all, if you get added to the deed to the house... Uh, that's going to trigger a reassessment of that new interest that was added, a reassessment of the real property taxes. And uh, it's going to be a reassessment that is uh, <laughs> that uh, is going to cause the property taxes to probably go up by um, to the full market value on 50% of the property. So that's not necessarily a good plan. Um there's no real way just on the surface that I could see to have this property go to the daughter when the daughter's dad dies. That's that's the person who is asking the question. Uh, unless the uh, brother was uh, willing to, to put the property into a trust for that says... Uh, a, a trust that's terminated when the daughter's father dies. But but by putting into a trust like that, question is, who's living in the property? Uh, will that trigger a reassessment of the property taxes? Uh, all in all, um, uh, I can't see a way to just guarantee that a property owned by Brother John in his name goes to Jim's daughter when Jim dies, unless Brother John has set up something that says it goes to his niece when his brother Jim dies. Um, Very confused situation 
And I know families do stuff like this. Um, I have a lot of people I've talked to over the years where they have some kind of unofficial agreement about, you know, well, you get the loan and I'll make the payments. And then when you sell the property, I get half the property or whatever. These kinds of things often turn out very badly for um, turn out very badly for families because um, without doing formal planning, informal planning can mean that people end up with property they're not otherwise entitled to by the unofficial oral agreement of family members. And then trying to unwind that can cause families to be torn apart as they fight over, um, as they fight over what the agreement was, who's supposed to get what. I don't recommend that kind of approach at all. Okay, here's one. Um, My two sisters and I have agreed I will buy their interest in the home. So this is, I assume, this is a home that the three siblings were receiving um, from a trust, probably a parent died, and now there's a house. My sister, who is the trustee, demands that I pay the entire existing mortgage out of my third or she will not sign the deed. The trust terms are the home is divided equally one-third each. Can my sister alter the terms threaten to not sign the deed if I don't pay the existing mortgage? Well, here's the deal. If it's divided three ways, that means that the mortgage is owed three ways against the shares of the siblings. If one wants to buy out the other two, then that means if the one buying out the other two actually assumes a mortgage, um, then that person has to be compensated in some way for taking over that obligation. Um, This situation here, if you've got a sister who's the trustee demanding that someone bear 100% of the liability on the property, this is likely going to end up with the property just being sold and the net proceeds distributed three ways. Um, Because if they can't work out an amicable way to handle it, that's really the only recourse then. Okay, here. My mother is in a home in a care facility and uh, she's been diagnosed with dementia. And I'm assuming here we're talking severe dementia, which means that Uh, She really can't handle thing anymore. A person said, I have power of attorney. So that means the person is the attorney, in fact, or agent for the mom, and also trustee of her trust, which means this person has taken over as successor trustee of mom's trust and is now handling mom's finances, both inside and outside of the trust between those two legal documents. Can I legally amend the trust? The short answer is no. If you're not the creator of the trust, you will have no authority to amend the trust. There are a few limited chances for that. If the power of attorney gives authority to amend the trust to the agent, which would be very unusual but can be done, then yes, the trust could be amended. If the trust has a trust protector who is a third party, um, typically a professional, uh, perhaps a close family friend, 
that might be given authority to amend a trust, either very broad or very narrow authority to amend a trust, then uh, it could be legally amended. Uh, It could even be possible to go to court and um, and have um, have a judge amend the trust if the amendment is if it makes sense, if it's in the best interests of the mother um, or maybe the mother and the family that the amendment be done. Uh, that's something that I have done before. Um, so the, the reason why um, it could be done is the court has general authority to amend a trust that is now otherwise irrevocable, meaning unchangeable, it would be irrevocable at this point because the mother has dementia, so she has no legal capacity to actually change her trust anymore. But a court could, as long as it uh, it's in the interests of all the parties that the trust be amended, and that might be to include uh, some new authority, it might be to uh, to change some of the terms of the trust for a better tax result for the family. Um, I do things like that. I, I call them uh, petitions under probate code section 15403. And I do a number of those every year. And it could even be done in a case like this. Okay. Um, my stepfather and I were both on the property title of a property as joint tenants with right of survivorship. He died a year ago. The property was originally purchased in 2013 in my name only, and his name was added to the title after purchase of the property. Now that he has passed, the county is reassessing the property to full current market value for the tax base. Is this right? Well, first of all, you, you can have a situation where a joint tenancy property um, could have a full reassessment. Here, though, it doesn't seem right at all for a number of reasons. Um, the joint tenancy was created by um, by this person and his stepfather um, seven years ago. And uh, so he created the joint tenancy, and then his stepfather died, returning the interest back to the original owner of the property and an original joint tenant. That generally would not trigger a reassessment. But the other thing is, the stepfather relationship, if in fact um, the stepfather relationship can actually result in there being an exclusion from reassessment because of a parent-to-child transfer, uh, even a step-parent to a stepchild might be eligible to be excluded from reassessment of the property taxes. But uh, without more information, it would be very hard to say whether or not the assessor, and this is in Huntington Beach, so that's Southern California, uh, whether the assessor is acting properly in trying to reassess the whole property. I think at most it would be 50%, and I think at best it would be no reassessment whatsoever. So we're coming up on the third break of the show today. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, We have one more segment to go, and then we'll call it a day, and we'll head into the weekend. So um, when we come back after the break, I'll wrap up the show with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. But until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll continue after the break. 
Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're in the final segment of our show today. Okay, so here we go. Um, person out of San Diego asks, I inherited um, my boss's assets in a will and some of his assets are in a trust. Some are going through probate. Okay, that's interesting. Um, can the executor in a will distribute the assets that are already in a trust while other assets are going through probate? Well, let's separate out first here. If there's a trust, the person in charge of those assets is called the trustee. <clears throat> it could be the same person as the executor named in a will for assets that go through probate. In a situation like this, if there is a trust, then it may very well be that there's no need to put things through probate if the trustee of the trust were to actually petition the court to request that the assets not in the person's trust ownership be turned over to the trust so that the trust can distribute them without going through the whole probate process. Um, this is something I've talked about a number of times over the last couple of years called a Hegstat petition. But uh, it's in Southern California and San Diego. I don't know if there's an issue with not being able to do that kind of petition down there because of the way the local court actually treats them. Some courts are kind of hostile to Hegstat petitions. Some courts are very, very welcoming, like the courts I deal with up here in the South San Francisco Bay Area. But the uh, uh, here, though, yes, um, assets in a trust can be distributed completely separately and um, separately and distinctly from um, from assets that are in a uh, probate estate. Um, they really only are considered together in terms of income tax and any federal estate tax issues, but in terms of uh, the distribution approach, it's going to be much the same either way you, you go. And so based on that, I would say that, uh, yeah, you can distribute assets from the trust uh, even if other assets are going through probate. Now, here's an interesting question. I can't find my will. How can I get a copy from public records? If you're talking about your own will, it's not really filed anywhere except with the court after you have died. So there's really no public records where your will is kept. Uh, if you can't find your will, uh, if you cannot find any estate planning document that you had done, that you, you've lost it in your home or something, start first by going back to whoever prepared it for you. See if they at least have a copy of it. And if you cannot find that, can't find it at all, then my suggestion would be do a new will that specifically says that you revoke any prior wills and uh, kind of restate everything you wanted to state that was in the first will. <clears throat> That's going to be a better thing to do than to try and try and spend your whole life trying to find a will that you misplaced or lost somewhere. Okay, here. Um, my parents' house were in a trust, <clears throat> and the trust stated that when my mother was mother, mother died... The house was to be sold and split 50-50 between me and my sister. But my sister does not want to sell because she lives in the house. Okay, so what I'm hearing is, in this case, your sister wants to continue living in the house 
am basically using your half of the house um, for herself uh, without paying you anything for that. That's how I would phrase that. The bottom line is if, if people now actually own property together and one person wants their half and they want it sold and the other one doesn't want to sell, well, the person who doesn't want to sell is going to find out pretty quickly that the one who wants to sell can go to court, file what's called a partition action, and a partition action basically says, hey, I own this property with this person. I want to sell. They don't want to sell. Please order the property to be sold so I can get my money and go off and go on with my life. So that's called a partition action. Uh, you cannot force somebody to stay an owner of real estate with you. Um, no matter how much you want to force that, you just can't do that. They have the right to go to court and insist the property be sold and the proceeds divided. Um, this is in the absence of some kind of partnership agreement that says something different. But uh, here it sounds like there's no partnership agreement. It's just two people who inherited from their mother who died and there's no law that says they have to stay partners in that property. And there's also no law that says one of them has to sit back and take it while the other one lives in the property um, on their own. Okay, so we're coming up on the end of the show here today. We have about a minute to go. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned some things. And, uh, and I'm hoping uh, next week to have a guest on the show. I don't know who it might be yet. I'll certainly let you know when we open the show next week. But uh, I plan on going into the weekend. I have some clients coming in in the morning to sign estate planning documents in my office. And that's great news. So if you'd like to get a hold of me, listen at the end of the show. It'll tell you how you can get a hold of me, how you can uh, book a consultation with, you, with me if you'd like to. And uh, until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I hope you have a great weekend. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.